Whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. It's always you versus you. That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose, and you will not stop me. You are listening to Mojo Sports. Yeah, hello and welcome to Mojo Sports, the NFL show season two, episode six. My name is Dan Frost and as always, I'm supported by the best panel in the business uh, tonight. No, Alex, but we've got Beck and we've got Stacey and we've got another uh, busy show for you planned. All right, guys, let's jump straight into the listener question for this week. And I guess it talks about some of the coaching vacancies that are starting to pop up now. You know, we, we thought, you know, there might have only been two, three, four teams that fired their coach, and then every year uh, that we, we are we are surprised. Uh, all right, let's jump into the listener question, which is who do we think should be the next head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders? This is a, quite a controversial one. Uh, Stacey, going to let you have a go at this one first. Oi, I mean, anyone who takes on this franchise inherits a whole bunch of bullshit that's happened this season and, and props to anyone who takes that role. But, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't want it to happen, but there are rumours around that Patriots OC Josh McDaniels um, could potentially be interviewing slash a candidate for a role here. And, you know, the owner Mark Davis has kind of stated you know, the fact that he wants to make a big splash when it comes to hiring this next coach and, and taking such an amazing offensive coordinator from the Patriots would definitely do that. But, you know, McDaniels does come with his own set of, you know, cluster issues that have uh, plagued his career over time. So I kind of think he's a good fit for Vegas given his history. But, um, you know, the fact that he's been able to work some magic at the Patriots, you know, wouldn't go astray with the Raiders. So as much as I don't want him to go, uh, Josh McDaniels actually, you know, might be a pretty good fit. Yeah, bad boy McDaniels, obviously the redemption story, uh, you know, obviously got fired in Denver after some weird and wonderful things happening there and then took the Colts job for, I think, 24 hours and, and then backflipped out of that. So Josh, he's, uh, he's certainly taking his time thinking about his next opportunity and uh, is it the Las Vegas Raiders? as well? Um, if that was the case, Beck, that would mean that, um, yeah, their current interim head coach would, would get sacked. Uh, I get a bit of a sense that you're, you're, you're quite a fan of Rich. Talk to us about your selection here. Yeah, I I think that after all the controversial that happened off the field with Gruden, that um, Rich Bisacci stood up and really took over this team and made it like nothing had happened. Like this team was able to come out and still perform and still do their job on the field. Training was still maintained at the level. Like this team, like if you didn't know what was happening behind the scenes and you were just watching football, you would have no idea what, what was happening with the coaching situation because I think he's just did such a great job stepping up and filling in and making it like he'd been the head coach the whole time. And they were still winning games and they were still performing. So it's not like he's not he wasn't doing a good job. He was doing a good job as well as having to deal with all of this off-field drama. So I think it would really benefit this team to have someone that they can rely on and that they can trust and that they know is going to help them through the toughest toughest season they've ever been through and make them successful hopefully in a in a full season of football i think the team just needs a handler like <laughs> so, like a babysitter that that just takes care of all the players and goes get home by nine o'clock don't drink and drive don't use drugs don't do guns like i, I think that that would solve a lot of issues these guys are adults though they're adults and professional athletes think- should you have 
put a lead yeah. and collar on them to make sure that they can do their job. You're going to have to start drafting on character. Um, maybe even if they're yeah. the... I don't know, that the 150th most talented player, they're still probably going to go in the first round for the Raiders because they just need good guys because, um, yeah, obviously they've had their issues there. No, it's, it's definitely going to be interesting. And Richie, he's not your typical interim head coach that gets the job, you know, in, in week 16, 17 for a couple of weeks and, and gets a couple of games. He, he obviously got thrown in pretty early. And the most impressive thing was they did implode for a couple of weeks. They were absolute trash. And I actually said they're a dumpster fire. They're gone. But he turned it around. So I think that that's even more impressive, the fact that they didn't sort of maintain their good performances. They imploded for a couple of weeks. He brought them back and, um, yeah, showed some skills there. Yeah, look, for me, if you're not going to go with Rich, if you're going to look to bring someone outside in, I agree with Stacey. I think you've got to get a big name uh, to come in to try and fill the shoes of, uh, of Gruden. Uh, so for me, I, I'd be bringing in John, uh, Jim Harbour. I, I think that he's, he's in an interesting situation there at Michigan where – I feel like it's probably as good as it's going to get there. You know, he's obviously had a significant battle in terms of beating the Ohio State, and, uh, you know, he's managed to do that. This is probably the peak of their program, and, you know, what we're hearing is he's still a little bit salty about the, the front administration asking him to take a take a bit of a pay cut. So I don't think he's sort of forgotten that. So I think he's flexing um, at the moment, and uh, there is a little bit of interest in this job. So I just feel like he's um, he's got unfinished business in the NFL, I think he will come back eventually. And at 58 years of age, time's ticking along. So, yeah, I'd be probably looking at Jim as well if you weren't going to go with Rich. I don't think age is a factor for coaches. I mean, we look at Pete Carroll, who's like 70-something and still coaching. So there's plenty of time to be a coach in the NFL. Yeah, that's right. They definitely don't want to retire, that's for sure. All right, guys, let's jump into our first segment for tonight, the huddle. Leave no regrets out there. That is what a real champion is made of. And for the Philadelphia Eagles, the long drought is over. How about those trees? A touchdown and a title for the Patriots. I can't believe it. They have completed the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. Those will be the best memories. Yeah, and this week on the huddle, we have a special team. We have America's team, the Dallas Cowboys. Stacey, I'm going to go straight to you on this one because this is such an interesting case study. This is the one of the most famous brands in the entire world when it comes to sport. But I'm just sort of having a bit of a look here. When was the last time the Dallas Cowboys won a Super Bowl? I've just got penciled down here. 1996. How is this franchise still so popular? They are the number one televised game. When the Dallas Cowboys play, they get the peak time slot, but yet they haven't won for so many years. Talk to us about this Dallas Cowboys franchise as a whole because, you know, regardless of whether they win, lose, or have awful seasons, they, um, they're certainly still popular. Yeah, I mean, and I honestly think that it just it goes back to the beginning. You know, the Cowboys have been just this storied franchise uh, you know, for so many years, so dominant through the 90s. And I think that that's where they won a lot of their fan base. And that's kind of where they've stayed, you know, bringing on, you know, famous and the most amazing commentator that I've ever heard. And one of the best quarterbacks from a football IQ perspective in Tony Romo. I mean, the guy was amazing and still never won a Super Bowl. So for me, I actually think that it's more of a front end kind of issue 
Uh, you know, they've cycled through coaching, they've cycled through players and personnel, um, then they just haven't been able to get it done. But this year we thought that this was potentially going to be the year. I mean, their defense was on fire. They had some amazing pickups and some great players on offense and they still weren't able to get it done. So honestly, I don't know what they have to do to be able to, you know, sort of <laughs> get through this whole, you know, hard part of the season with the playoffs where they lost to the 49ers this year. I don't know what they have to do, but they've got to do something. Stacey, there's a generation of Dallas Cowboys fans that just don't know success. It's quite interesting. Beck, uh, a couple of things um, in terms of Dallas Cowboys, in terms of, you know, just some observations I've had in terms of their struggles. Number one, they've been too loyal. You know, if you look at the Dallas Cowboys, they don't, that they, they pay their own guys. They develop their own guys. They draft and, and they sort of, they sort of make, players stars if that makes sense and I, I think you talk about Tony Romo you talk about Dak Prescott um, you talk about some of the players that they have gone out even Zeke Elliott who's obviously declining a little bit you know they, they just don't have the 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 ability to kind of cut players move on that brutality we'll talk a little bit about why that's the case shortly but let's just touch on on the lo- the loyalty side of things because Dallas Cowboys, they give the bag, they pay the money, but at the end of the day, their top stars just don't appear to be able to compete with the very, very best in the game. Yeah, it is an interesting concept or like theory that they're playing with over there to hold on to their players and build them and develop them with the coaches that they have. And I think that has a lot to do with their owner. I think he's a very interesting guy and a very loyal guy. So I think he he has this idea that he's going to, hold on to players and develop them and hope that they, you know, respect him and appreciate having a job and being signed and want and play super hard for him and bring him a championship home. Um, but yeah, it's interesting because when you do look at players like Ezekiel Elliott, who was so hyped and did play his first couple of seasons, great. And then got injured and hasn't come back. So great. Most teams would not re-sign him. So it's interesting what the Cowboys plan to do around Zeke and how that's going to work out. I think it's interesting too, like, you know, the their owner is super loyal, but just because someone like a player or a coach is like your kind of guy doesn't mean that he's the right kind of guy. And, exactly. and, knowing, that, and knowing that that's how they breed their coaches, like there's clearly something not right in that system. And maybe it's just a case of getting rid of that one guy and everything changes potentially. Well, that's, that's the second reason. And Beck, I'm going to throw it straight to you. So we talked about this loyalty. Where's it coming from? The other biggest issue with the Dallas Cowboys is their owner, Jerry Jones, because one of the things that is probably a little bit understated is there's no such thing as the Dallas Cowboys head coach position. It does not exist. Mike McCarthy, uh, you know, obviously he's, he's got that role in title only because I guess the guy who actually runs his football team in terms of day-to-day logistics, it's, it's Jerry Jones. Um, you know, you think about how other franchises operate. I mean, you know, could you imagine an Andy Reid, a Bill Belichick, a Pete Carroll having the owner, you know, obviously can control the franchise. It just doesn't work. And, you know, Jerry Jones, he's been successful in oil. He's, he's, a, he's obviously a, a billionaire tycoon. But, you know, when it comes to running and coaching football teams, you know, I, I just feel like Jerry's got a lot of responsibility here in terms of the underwhelming performances from the Cowboys over the last couple of decades. Yeah, we've seen that in um, their hard knocks, right? Like Jerry Jones is so involved in everything. He goes to their pre-practice meetings, their post-practice meetings. He wants to know about injuries and players and what's going on. And I don't think a lot of owners have that much um like know that much about what's going on with their teams or have that much involvement week by week. Um, But 
yeah, he's a great businessman and he's running this football team kind of like a family business. And football is not a family business. Football is a winning business. You want to win. So sometimes you have to let your family go. And I think he struggles really hard to make that break between football and business. And yeah, it's definitely making him, it makes it hard for the head coach because the head coach, you know, may want to cut players and may want to change things and may want to do, you know, different things. And you'd always have to confront Jerry Jones and be like, I want to do this. Is that okay? And he'd be like, "Uh, I don't think that's a good idea. I think we need to give them, you know, another game or a little bit more opportunity. And sometimes the opportunities just run out. But coming with that too, like, you know, saying that he runs his football team like it's a family business, like it's so true because even within that family business, there is dysfunction. Like that dysfunction has to be talked about, you know, when I think it was Troy Aikman, you know, he won three Super Bowls with the Cowboys back in the 90s and he was like, there is something going wrong here. He's like, you can't do exactly the same thing, keep everything exactly the same and expect a different result. That's kind of the, you know, the, the definition of insanity. So, I mean... He's, if, if anyone's got, you know, an, an opinion on that, it's definitely that guy. Yeah, and I guess the, the frustration stems from, you know, if you look at their roster holistically, I mean, is Dak Prescott an elite quarterback? No, he's not. But, you know, I, I guess it has been shown that you can be successful, you know, with, with, a, with a, you know, Dak's okay. He, he's a good quarterback, but everything else has to be in place. And when you look at the Dallas Cowboys, they're not too far away. Beck, I think you nailed it. Um, you've got to cut Zeke. You know, you've got to bring yeah. in a running back to try and, uh, you know, take a little bit of pressure off Dak. And then they need to they need to start drafting based on need, not not the shiny toy. I mean, you know, Micah Parsons, CD Lamb, these these guys are great draft selections. They made me look foolish, but realistically, over the next couple of years, their offensive line it's getting older. You can start to see that in their play, even when it comes down to availability. Some of these, you know, Demarcus Lawrence, um, you know, a, a few of their few of their other front guys, they're just not available uh, for the full season, and that becomes particularly challenging. So, a few little tweaks there, bringing in an actual coach who's going to coach Jerry Jones, taking a step back. I think that's how the Dallas Cowboys turn things around, but that's probably not what's going to happen. All right, guys. Well, we've just seen them uh, bounce out of the playoffs uh, against the San Francisco 49ers. Let's do our way too early predictions for the Dallas Cowboys looking into next season. Beck, just generally, what, what you, how are you kind of feeling about the Dallas Cowboys? Obviously, this is pre-free agency. This is pre-draft. What are your thoughts on Dallas heading into next season? This is definitely a way too early pick. Um, but from what I've seen this season, I like we said, I honestly think that this Cowboys team with a new running back could be a whole new level because I think that's where they struggled the most this year. Re- like, likely their O-line is old and their O-line is struggling, but they were still able to protect Dak enough for him to get the ball to receivers. But you can't do that all game, the whole game, because secondaries are going to pick up on that. And the fact that they couldn't get a strong, confident running game, I think is what made their offense really struggle. So insert a running back. And I think that this offense is complete. Like I think they will um, do a lot better next year than what they did this year. My quick little prediction, they'll win their division because it's absolute trash. It's, you know, it's one of the, one of the you know, giants. I mean, Washington, I mean, even Philly ha- has their moments. So I think Dallas will win their division, but I just don't have any confidence that this is a team that can win playoff games. So for me, something significant is going to have to happen over the offseason for me to change my mind on that. Stacey, just quickly for you, are you kind of feeling the same? 
playoff quality roster. Yeah, what, what what's your thoughts sort of this far out? Look, looking at next season for Dallas. I mean, if they continue uh, their run like they have done, I mean, Dan Quinn did such an amazing job with that defense. Like, I could not praise that defense enough. And it wasn't just Micah Parsons, who was, you know, my vote for Defensive Player of the Year, definitely. But the fact that they've actually got um, quite a few guys coming out of free agency, like Michael Gallup coming out of free agency. And personally, my favorite, Dalton Schultz. You know, yeah. tight end, he was a massive, massive player for that offense. And the fact that he's coming up to free agency and if they don't re-sign him, who knows what could happen. I mean, Tony, uh, Tony Pollard, you know, from a running back perspective, he got, you know, he got some things done, but they definitely need to replace Zeke with someone who can actually get some get some yards and take some pressure off Dak. So, yes, they're going to win the division. Are they going to make it to a Super Bowl? Probably not. Um but, yeah, yeah it's no, way too early to tell right now. But, Stacey, that, that's exactly it. I mean, you know, you talk about Super Bowl windows, and, and this is exactly it. You're talking about high-quality players are going to be walking out the door, which uh, does make things very, very difficult. But definitely waiting, wait and see there in Dallas. All right, guys, let's jump into our next segment for tonight, the match. The most anticipated match in history, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, let's get ready to... You guys, I don't know about the most anticipated match in the history of our game, but it's Pro Bowl season. Obviously, the teams have been announced, so we're looking at the AFC team coming up against the NFC. Uh, and, you know, the, the game does not necessarily matter so much, but it's more the honour of obviously getting that recognition um, to say that you are one of the, you know, one of the best players in your position uh, in the league. In fact, during COVID, I don't think they even had the last game. So, um, yeah, going to be interesting to see how this one goes. Um, Beck, going to start with you um, just on the AFC side of things. Again, there's always a few controversial um, sort of picks, which we'll get into later, but just you know, a, a little bit of praise in terms of some of the some of the plays that were picked here. Starting off with uh, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson. Um, talk to us about Justin Herbert. Obviously, you know this is this is pretty cool to get recognised, and again, he's still so young in terms of his career. Yeah, like you said, Pro Bowl isn't necessarily the most hyped game or competitive game as it used to be. I think once upon a time it was super competitive, but nowadays it's more like a being recognized for being a great player. And I think Justin Herbert has definitely deserved a selection. Like we, Stace was on his bandwagon from the beginning of the season saying, you know, don't sleep on the charges. And I think he definitely proved us all wrong and came out and had a great season as a rookie to do what he did this year is pretty incredible. You don't see it happen a lot for rookies and Justin Herbert definitely came out and shone. And, yeah, I think he's going to have a lot of fun at the Pro Bowl. Yeah, and Stacey, it just reminds you of, like, you know, obviously we'll pick out a few of the the rookies that, that are getting this recognition that's really excited. But it also just, I guess it highlights, you know, some of the elite talent in, 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 the, in the game who are just consistent Pro Bowlers. Um, one player that I wanted to call out was the guard, Quinton Nelson from the Indianapolis Colts. This is a guy who came in as a baby-faced, you know, young kid almost, and he's just dominated from the second he stepped into the NFL. It's not always the flashy players that we adore here at Mojo Sports, but he is one of the game's best. Again, he nails a Pro Bowl spot. No surprise, but again, he's an incredible player, despite the fact, and, and this is this is the other thing that's great, you know, a team that isn't necessarily dominating in the playoffs, but still individually he gets his recognition. Yeah, completely. You know, when and we did. I think we did a match up um, with Quentin Nelson and um, who was the other guy that we matched up with? I can't remember who it was, but we did a really good match up. And you know, he's one of the highest paid guards in the league. He's just so 
good. And the fact that, you know, he can run that O-line and, and have someone like um, Jonathan Taylor being able to do what he did, I think is a testament to his quality. Um, and to see him in the Pro Bowl with the other amazing running backs, it's going to be really exciting to see him out there strutting his stuff. And he's a starter too, so... Yeah, he's up there. Yeah, no, he's great to watch. And, uh, again, showing the love to our guards out there. Uh, Beck, obviously, when you look at the tight ends, no surprise. Travis Kel- Travis Kelsey's there. Probably no, don't need to detail that one too much. But if we look at alongside his partner and someone that I'm really, I'm really proud of this guy, someone who has dominated this year, uh, Mark Andrews from the Baltimore Ravens, things just went completely wrong for Baltimore. We've spoken about it previously. Everything that could go wrong with his franchise did go wrong this year. But when you talk about a safety blanket for Lamar Jackson, I mean, Mark Andrews, he was clutch game after game. There were so many performances where the Ravens snuck in some victories um, throughout the season. Talk to us a little bit about Mark. Again, great to see him get some recognition. And again, like I've said on previous episodes, he's starting to move up now as one of the game's best tight ends. Yeah, that's one thing that I love about the Pro Bowl, right? Like you don't necessarily have to be in a team that shines throughout the season or makes a playoff to be able to be recognized and selected. And I think, you know, like I said, the Ravens struggled a little bit in the back half of the season, which jeopardized their playoff contention. But Mark Andrews maintained his play and ability throughout the entire season. Like I said, he was a a blanket for Lamar Jackson. He was the go-to guy. When he was scrambling out of the pocket, when he had nowhere to go, Mark Andrews was always that reliable, getting open, big hands, clutch catches, you know, for Lamar Jackson. So I think he's definitely building his way up to be one of the best. He's not quite the best yet. I think he has a few things to work on, but he's definitely, you know, he's second best in the um, AFC at the moment being selected for the Pro Bowl. So he's might, definitely not being underrated for his talent. Might get a few, uh, might get a few tips from Kelsey that might help him uh, coming into the offseason. Uh, Stace, another position that we just wanted to show some love from an AFC perspective, Rashawn Slater, uh, from the Chargers, again, you, you, you talk about praise, and this is where the, the Pro Bowl is kind of cool, you know. Justin Herbert got all of the praise when it came to his performance this year, but that left tackle position, talk to us about it. It's kind of important, right? And again, very, very impressive that a rookie comes in in a position that, you know, you typically don't see these guys mature for almost a decade in the league. Talk to us about Rashawn Slater, an incredible talent. Oh yeah, I mean that that blind side. That's why they pay the big money. If you're going to pay your quarterback big money, you got to pay someone to protect him. And and the fact that he's been able to manage that O line and, and keep Justin Herbert safe as a rookie is super super impressive. And the fact that he's a starter alongside some really great guys like in Orlando Brown and Deion Dawkins, like that's going to be really really good. Um, but yeah, I mean it's such a big honor. For a rookie, especially, you know, coming out of, you know, what was such an amazing season from the Chargers uh, and being able to own that position, it's, it's just, it's really nice to see them get some recognition. Yeah, absolutely. Look, we're going to move on now to the NFC, but not before giving a little bit of recognition to the AFC defensive side of the ball. If you think the offensive side is stacked for the AFC, their defense looks absolutely Uh, I mean, it's probably the most dominant side of the football in the entire Pro Bowl. You know, you look through the list, you've got uh, got Darius Leonard, you've got Joey Bosa, TJ Watt, Matt Judon, my my guy, JC Jackson. I mean, it is absolutely elite. So, but let's show a little bit of love to the NFC and let's move over now. Let's stick with the defensive side. Um, Beck, again, you know, sometimes fans can get a little bit bored of some of those high-profile players, but, you know... 
you just got to respect pure excellence. So let's go with Nick Bosa on the defensive side of the ball. You know, just racks up another pro bowl. I mean, again, you, you see what he's been able to do. His influence on San Francisco. Quarterback doesn't exactly have it. He's on the defensive side of the ball. It's, it's, it's incredible his influence on that football team. Yeah, he's the type of player that can make or break a team with a defensive player. Like we've seen it before. He's been able to turn ball over, disrupt play in the backfield. He leads that defense and kind of like is what that defense needs to be. Like you watch him play and you just being around him, I assume, on that defense, you just want to play as hard as he does. He's a great player. And like I said, he's getting the recognition by being selected. Stacey, uh, we'll go to the cornerback position here. No surprise, Jalen Ramsey speaks for himself. Uh, you know, in terms of his CV, um, you know, obviously one of, if not the best uh, corners in the game. Um, but again, showing a little bit of love to the rookie, Trayvon Diggs uh, gets gets his jersey. This is a guy who, you know, he, he brings so much debate. We've spoken about him throughout the season. He takes so many risks, so many chances. But, you know, you, you look at those interceptions and uh, he's definitely got pure instincts when it comes to uh, finding that football. Oh, completely. Having, you know, Trayvon Diggs and Jalen Ramsey as corners, uh, as starting corners, man, you don't want to throw anywhere near them. You know, Trayvon Diggs is my man this year. I mean, interceptions left, right and center, set so many records, Um, you know, props to him, you know, and, and props to his little son too. Like, I mean, the commentary that he has of, you know, him being like, you know, for Thanksgiving, I want to give thanks to all the quarterbacks for throwing my dad the ball. Like, you know, you just can't, he's just so wholesome. Um, and and you you got to love it. But, yeah, that, that secondary um, for this team is just, oh, it's scary. Scary, scary. Yeah, and, Beck, we're going to give you last word on this one because I see a particular linebacker here from the Seattle Seahawks, and let's show him some love, Bobby Wagner. I mean, look, it's been grim uh, for a lot of fans in Seattle, including yourself. But, um, yeah, good to see that, you know, you know, obviously your best player um, outside of Russell Wilson still gets that recognition. Talk to us a little bit about Bobby, um, 31 years of age, but still, you know, one of the best players in his position. Yeah, I kind of felt sorry for him this year because I feel like he kind of lost all of his pals on the defense. Like he went from being in this dominant defense to being kind of like the guy that's hiding in the corner to the guy that has to really step up and build and lead. And I mean, he's always been dominant from the beginning. Don't underestimate the fact that he was on this dominant defense and he wasn't doing as much. He was definitely having an impact and playing super hard, but the fact that he's still doing it 10 years later and being able to be consistent within his play and still be, you know, one of the best linebackers in the league and getting selected for the Pro Bowl at 31 is an accomplishment of his own. And I just, I hope and I pray that he continues to play like this for at least another, give me another three or four years at Seattle and I'll be happy. I mean, and the fact that Micah Parsons gets to play alongside that experience who is only going to make Micah Parsons better, which I didn't think was actually possible. And he's still a rookie as well. So that's going to be a really good pairing to watch. No, you're exactly you right. have like a cute little duo. I know, blessed little inside linebacker crew. <laughs> All right, guys, let's uh, let's jump into our predictions. Obviously, the game, the result doesn't necessarily matter too much. But again, thinking about you know the quality of both of these teams, are you leaning one particular way? Who do you think would would get the edge um, if this game? Um, uh, well, it will be played, um, which is a little bit different after missing out on this game during COVID. Beck, going to go with you, AFC or NFC? I'm not biased at all, but I am picking the NFC. I just think when we look at the Pro Bowl games, they're highly offensive games, right? Like it's a lot of 
deep passes, fun trick plays. Like it's not a super hard hitting game. So defenses don't have as much impact. I mean, we see a lot of picks, which is fun to watch, but I think this offense, like we're looking at quarterbacks with Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, they're running backs, Alvin Kamara, James Conner, Dalvin Cook, receivers are stacked. You know, like every single player on this offense, I think he's an impact player. So I think that, um, yeah, they're going to win and it's going to be super fun to watch. Yeah, look for me, I'm going to go AFC. I, I just think Justin Herbert under centre, I think he's going to throw a few, uh, obviously, balls to, to his teammate, uh, Keenan Allen. You know, he's, he's kind of got, um, you know, he's got Stefan Diggs there and, and a few other big names. But, um, yeah, I, I think, agreed, you know, the score is going to be going to be you know, uh, 50 to 40, most probably. There isn't a lot of defense. There isn't a lot of tackling that happens uh, in this Pro Bowl game. But, um, yeah, definitely going to be interesting one to watch. Stace, um, final call call on this one. You're the deciding vote. This is really tough for me, and I think it's it's so fascinating to be able to have a team where Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady are both, like, on the same team. Like, I, I didn't think that that was ever going to be possible, but obviously with Tom Brady moving over to the NFC. But I'm actually going to go with you, Dan, and I'm going to go with the AFC, mainly because, you know, Justin Herbert, he's been my guy. Jamar Chase, been my guy. Keenan Allen is awesome. Tyreek Hill, like, their offense is stacked. Travis Kelsey, but also their defense is still really good as well. So, you know, that's that's where the Patriots live, so that's where I'm going. All right, guys, let's jump into our final segment for tonight, Rapid Fire. And we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things. What you need to know tonight. Your apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the air again soon. Oh, my boss is saying closing time. Maybe that's what you're doing. All right, guys, well, speaking of the Pro Bowl, uh, the question I've got for you is, which player do you feel like was the, the biggest snub from Pro Bowl selections? Um, Stace, going to start with you. Yeah, for me, this one's going to go to Antonio Gibson, the running back from the Washington football team. You know, talk about a diamond in the rough. I mean, there was a lot of horse dung that you had to go through to find this diamond. But, I mean, the guy was really, really good. He was actually like the center and probably one of the only really good players on the Washington offense this year. You know, he racked up 1,122 yards from scrimmage, eight touchdowns, but he was also really good from a receiving standpoint and he can run in any scheme and so versatile. And I think that that's actually really important when it comes to a pro bowl kind of game, not to mention the fact that he forced, you know, 36 missed tackles um, on himself as well. So it means that he's elusive and I think he's got a big future. So I'm a little bit sad that he wasn't included. Yeah. And I, and I think he just didn't quite have the brand, you know, obviously Alvin Kamara took that spot and, I don't know, you know, things were pretty challenging there in New Orleans. I mean, their offense was through Alvin, but certainly wasn't his best year. So definitely agree that if, if Antonio Gibson was on one of these high-profile uh, teams, he would be getting a lot lot more attention. He's one of the game's best, that's for sure. Um, Beck, thoughts on this one? Yeah, I'm, I'm going with a biased decision here because I feel like Russell Wilson, regardless of the season that he had this year and with the injury and his offense is still one of the best play, best quarterbacks in the league. Like I feel like his talent over the last couple of years has been a little bit underrated because of, you know, the attempt to rebuild our offense. Um, but I think he still has such skill. Like he's one of the most accurate deep ball throwers in the league. So for him not to get selected this year, I think is a little bit sad because he's been selected every year since being a rookie. 
Oh, except one, I think. But to miss out this year makes me sad. Yeah, it's going to be different to not see him there. And, uh, you know, next generation coming through and stealing that jersey. Kyla Murray getting the nod there, which, you know, yeah. had a great half of the season, but, you know, obviously didn't finish off the way he would have liked. Uh, look, for me, uh, how in the world is Josh Allen not a pro bowler? That is absolute craziness. Um, Lamar Jackson uh, took that spot. And, um, you know, Lamar's been great. He was a former MVP, but obviously inconsistencies, all the challenges there with the Ravens. But put all that aside, as great as Lamar is, has anyone been watching Josh Allen lately? I mean, this guy is somewhat special. I mean, the fact that we're here saying that this guy could be as good, if not better, than Patrick Mahomes, I mean, it's it's pretty incredible. So I think that's um, going to go down as one of the most historic snubs uh, in probably the history of the Pro Bowl. But, um, yeah, look, uh, congratulations to everyone there that got selected. Very much looking forward to um, the game. There's no such thing as too much football. Uh, so let's see who gets the win there in the Pro Bowl. It's not just the game too. It's the pregame. It's all the challenges. It's the quarterback's challenges. It's, uh, you know, it's the obstacle course that they all dodge run. It's ball. And the dodgeball. It's, it's such a good event. Um, and, man, I wish I could go and watch. But, yeah, it's not just the game. It's all the other stuff that goes along with it. All right, guys. Look, that's all the time we have today. Just want to thank, uh, just want to thank my amazing panel, always bringing the heat as we talk all things NFL. And to our listeners, we hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please download the podcast, share with family and friends. And until next week, we'll see you then. You have been listening to Mojo Sports. Thank you for your support. It is very much appreciated. The team and I are trying to build something a little different here, so everyone's support is very much appreciated. Continue to support the podcast, download, subscribe, check out our social media channels, give us a follow, and be sure to tell your friends about Australia's best-kept secret. This is Mojo Sports.